Chapter Two of Raspberry Jam by Caroline Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A trip to Newark. Perhaps no factor is more indicative of the type of a home life than its breakfast atmosphere, for in America it is only a small proportion even among the wealthy who breakfast in their rooms and a knowledge of the appointments and customs of the breakfast are often data enough to stamp the status of the household in the embry home breakfast was a pleasant scent off for the day both sanford and eunice were of the sort who wake up wide awake and their appearance in the dining-room was always an occasion of merry banter and a leisurely enjoyment of the meal aunt abby too was at her best in the morning and breakfast was served sufficiently early to do away with any need for hurry on sanford's part the morning paper save for its headlines was not a component part of the routine and it was an exceptionally interesting topic that caused it to be unfolded this morning however miss ames reached the dining-room before the others and eagerly scanned the pages for some further notes of the affair in newark but with the total depravity of inanimate things and with the invariable disappointingness of a newspaper the columns offered no other information than a mere announcement of the coming event hunting for details of your wild goose chase asked embry as he paused on the way to his own chair to lean over aunt abby's shoulder yes and there is almost nothing why do you take this paper you will see it all to-day so why do you want to read about it laughed a gay voice and eunice came in all fluttering chiffon and ribbon ends she took the chair ferdinand placed for her and picked up a spoon as the attentive man set grapefruit at her plate the waitress was allowed to serve the others but ferdinand reserved to himself the privilege of waiting on his beloved mistress still of a mind to go she said smiling at her aunt more than ever it's a perfectly heavenly day and we will have a good ride if nothing more good ride chaffed embry don't you fool yourself aunt abby the ride from this burg to newark new jersey is just about the most godforsaken bit of scenery you ever passed through i don't mind that l hendricks is good company and anyway i'd go through fire and water to see that hanlon show eunice can't you and mr hendricks pick me up i want to go to my psychic class this morning and there's no use coming way back here again 
Yes, certainly. We are going about noon, you know, and have lunch in Newark. In Newark? And Embry looked his amazement. Yes, Olvid said so last night. He says that new hotel there is quite all right. He will only have time for a bite anyway. Well, bite where you like. By the way, my tiger girl, you didn't get that information from our friend last evening. No, San, I couldn't, without making it too pointed. I thought I could bring it in more casually today, say at luncheon. Yes, that's good, but find out, Eunice, just where the Merediths stand. They may swing the whole vote. What vote? asked Aunt Abby, who was interested in everything. Our club, Auntie, and Embry explained. You know, Hendricks is president, has been for years, and we are trying to oust him in favor of yours truly. You, Sanford? Do you mean you want to put him out and put yourself in his place? Exactly that, my lady. But how queer! Does he know it? Rather, yes, even on calm second thought. I should say Hendricks knows it. But I shouldn't think you two would be friends in such circumstances. That's the beauty of it, ma'am. We are bosom friends, as you know, and yet we are fighting for that presidency like two cats of Kilkenny. The New York Athletic Club, is it? Oh, no, ma'am, not so, but far otherwise. The Metropolitan Athletic Club, if you please. Yes, I know. I'd forgotten the name. Don't mix up the two. They are deadly rivals. Why do you want to be president, Sanford? That's a long tale, but in a nutshell, purely and solely for the good of the club. And that's the truth, declared Eunice. Sanford is getting himself disliked in some quarters, influential ones too, and he's making lifelong enemies, not all of it, but others, and it is all because he has the real interests of the club at heart. Earl Hendricks is running it into, into a mud puddle, isn't he, San? Well, yes, though I shouldn't have thought of using that word, but he is bringing its gray hairs in sorrow to the grave, or will if he remains in office, and instead of turning it over to a well-balanced man of good judgment and unerring taste, say, like one Sanford Embry. You certainly are not afflicted with Paul's pride, Sanford, and Aunt Abby bit into her crisp toast with a decided snap. Why, thank you and Embry smiled as he purposely misinterpreted her words. I quite agree, aunt, that my pride is by no means false. 
it is a just and righteous pride in my own merits both natural and acquired he winked at eunice across the table and she smiled back appreciatively aunt abby gave him what was meant to be a scathing glance but which turned to a nod of admiration that's so sanford she admitted l hendrix is a nice man but he falls down on some things hasn't he been a good president until lately aunt abby now he's all mixed up with a crowd of intractables sporty chaps who want a lot of innovations that the more conservative element won't stand for why they want prize fights and a movie theater right in the club informed eunice and it means too much expense besides being a horrid low-down there there tiger and sanford shook his head at her let us say those things are unpalatable to a lot of us old foggers stop i won't have you call yourself old or folkish either you're the farthest possible removed from that why you are no older than l hendricks you were all children together said aunt abby as if imparting a bit of new information you three and mason elliot why when you were ten or eleven newness those three boys were eternally camping out in the front yard waiting for you to get your hair curled and go out to play and later they all hung around to take you to parties and then later still not so much later either they all wanted to marry you why auntie you're telling the whole story of my life and what's my real name sanford knows all this and knows that he cut out the other two though i'm not saying they wanted to marry me it goes without saying and her husband gave her a gallant bow but great heavens eunice if you'd married those other two i mean one of them either one you'd have been decidedly out of your element hendrix though a bully chap is a man of impossible tastes and elliot is a prig pure and simple i you see strike a happy medium and speaking of such things are your mediums always happy aunt abby how you do rattle on sanford a true medium is so absorbed in her endeavors so wrapped up in her work she is of course happy i suppose i never thought about it well don't go out of your way to find out it isn't of vital importance that i should know may i be excused madam wife i am called to the busy marts and all that sort of thing embry rose from the table a big 
tall man graceful in his every motion as only a trained athlete can be devoted to athletics he kept himself in the pink of condition physically and this was no small aid to his vigorous mentality and splendid business acumen wait a minute san and for the first time that morning there was a note of timidity in eunice's soft voice please give me a little money won't you money you grasping young person what do you want it for why i'm going to newark you know going to newark yes but you're going in hendrick's car that doesn't require a ticket does it no but i i might want to give the chauffeur something when i get out nonsense not hendrick's chauffeur that's all right when you are with formal friends or comparative strangers but it would be ridiculous to tip hendrick's gus Embrace swung into the light top coat held by the faithful ferdinand but dear and eunice rose and stood by her husband i do want a little money she fingered nervously the breakfast napkin she was still holding what for was the repeated inquiry oh you see i might want to do a little shopping in newark shop in newark that's a good one why girlie you never want to shop outside of little old new york and you know it shop in newark embry laughed at the very idea but i might see something in a window that's just what i want then make a note of it and buy it in new york you have an account at all the desirable shops here and i never kick at the bills do i now no but a woman does want a little cash with her oh that of course i quite subscribe to that but i gave you a couple of dollars yesterday yes but i gave one to a red cross collector and the other i had to pay out for a cod charge why buy things cod when you have accounts everywhere oh this was something i saw advertised in the evening paper and you bought it because it was cheap oh you women now eunice that's just a case in point i want my wife to have everything she wants everything in reason but there's no sense in throwing money away now kiss me sweetheart for i'm due at a director's meeting in two shakes or thereabouts embry snapped the fastening of his second glove and hat in hand held out his arms to his wife she made one more appeal you're quite right san maybe i didn't need that cod thing but i do want a little chicken feed in my purse when i go out today maybe they will take up a collection a silver offering 
for the old lady's home, eh? Well, tell them to come to me, and I will sign their subscription paper. Now, good-bye, Dolly Gray. I am off. With a hearty kiss on Eunice's red lips and a gay wave of his hand to Aunt Abby, Embry went away, and Ferdinand closed the door behind him. I can't stand it, Aunt Abby, Eunice exclaimed as the butler disappeared into the pantry. If Sanford were a poor man, it would be different, but he's made more money this year than ever before, and yet he won't give me an allowance or even a little bit of ready money. But you have accounts, Aunt Abby said absently for she was scanning the paper now. Accounts? Of course I have, but there are a thousand things one wants cash for. You know that perfectly well. Why, when our car was out of commission last week and I had to use a taxicab, Sanford would give me just enough for the fare and not a cent over to feed a driver and lots of times i need a few dollars for charities or some odds and ends and i can't have a cent to call my own l hendricks may be of a coarser clay than sanford embry but he wouldn't treat a wife like that it is annoying eunice but sanford is so good to you good to me why shouldn't he be it isn't a question of goodness or of generosity. It's just a full whim of his that I mustn't ask for actual cash. I can have all the parties I want, buy all the clothes I want, get expensive hats or knick-knacks of any sort, and have them all charged. He's never even questioned my bills. But has his secretary paid them? and i must have some money in my purse and i will i know ways to get it without begging it from sanford embry eunice's dark eyes flashed fire and her cheeks burned scarlet for she was furiously angry now now my dear don't take it so to heart soothed aunt abby i'll give you some money I was going to make you a present, but if you'd rather have the money that it would cost, say so. I daren't, Aunt Abby. Sanford would find it out, and he'd be terribly annoyed. It's one of his idiosyncrasies, and I have to bear it as long as I live with him. The gleam in the beautiful eyes gave a hint of desperate remedies that might be applied to the case but ferdinand returned to the room and the two women quickly spoke of other things hendrick's perfectly appointed and smooth running car made the trip to newark in minimum time though the road was not a picturesque one the party was in gay spirits and the host was indefatigable in his efforts to be entertaining i have looked up this hand in person 
he said. And his record is astonishing. I mean, he does astonishing feats. He's a juggler, a sword swallower, and a card sharp, that is, a card wizard. Of course, he's a faker, but he's a clever one, and I'm anxious to see what his game is this time. Of course, it's, first of all, advertisement for the paper that's backing him, but it's a new game. At least, it's new over here. They tell me it's done to death in England. Oh no, Alvid, it isn't a game, insisted Miss Ames. If the man is blindfolded, he can't play any tricks on us, and he couldn't play tricks on newspaper men anyway. They are too bright for that. I think they are too. That's why I'm interested. Warm enough, Eunice? Yes, thank you. And the beautiful face looked happily content as Eunice Embry nestled her chin deeper into her fur collar. For, though late April, the day was crisply cool and there was a tang in the bright, sunshiny air, Aunt Abby was almost as warmly wrapped up as in midwinter, and when, on reaching Newark, they encountered a raw east wind, she shrugged into her coat like a shivering Eskimo. "'Where do we go to see it?' asked Eunice, as later after luncheon she eagerly looked about at the crowds massed everywhere. "'We'll have to reconnoitre.' Hendrix replied, smiling at her animated face. Drive on to the Oberon, Gus. As they neared the theatre, the surging waves of humanity barred their progress and the big car was forced to come to a standstill. I'll get out, said Hendrix, and make a few inquiries. The free press office is near here and I know some of the people there. He strode off and was soon swallowed up in the crowd. I think I see a good opening, said Gus, after a moment. I'll get out for a minute, Mrs. Embry. I must inquire where cars can be parked. Go ahead, Gus, said Eunice. We'll be all right here, but don't go far. I'll be nervous if you do. No, ma'am, I won't go a dozen steps. Extry, extry, all about the great magic. Handling the wonderful and his big stunt, extry. Oh, get a paper, Eunice, do, urged Aunt Abby from the depths of her fur coat. Ask that boy for one. I must have it to read after I get home. I can't look at it now, but get it. Here, you, boy, say boy. The newsboy came running to them and flung a paper into Eunice's lap. There you are, lady, he said, grinning. There's your paper. Give me a nickel, can't ya? I ain't got time hanging on me hands. 
his big black eyes stared at eunice as she made no move toward a purse and he growled hurry up lady i gotta sell some papers yet think nobody wants one but you eunice flushed with annoyance please pay him aunt abby she said in a low voice i haven't any money goodness gracious me haven't five cents why eunice you must have but i haven't i tell you i can't see ovid and gus is too far to call to go over there boy to that chauffeur with the leather coat he will pay you no thank you ma'am i've had that dodge tried afore pity a grand dame like you can't scare up a nickel want to work a poor newsy shame for ye lady hush your impudence you little wretch cried aunt abby here eunice help me get my purse it's in my inside coat pocket under the rug there see if you can reach it now aunt abby tried to extricate herself from the motor rug that had been tucked all too securely about her and failing in that endeavored to reach into her pocket with her gloved hand and became hopelessly entangled in a mass of fur chiffon scarf and eyeglass chain i can't get at my purse eunice there's no use trying she wailed despairingly let us have the paper my boy and come back here when the owner of this car comes and he'll give you a quarter yes he will shouted the lad and he'll give me a diamond pin and gold watch i'd come back willing enough but me route lays the other way and i must be scooting or i'll miss the whole show sorry the boy who had no trouble in finding customers for his papers picked up the one he had laid on eunice's lap and made off never mind auntie she said we will get another it's too provoking but i haven't a cent and i don't blame the boy now find your purse or never mind here comes ovid just fell over mortimer called out hendricks as the two men came to the side of the car i made him come and speak to you ladies though i believe it's holding up the whole performance let me present the god in the machine not that said mr mortimer smiling only a small mechanical part of today's doings i have a few minutes to spare though but a few how do you do miss ames glad to see you again and mrs embry this brings back childhood days tell me about hanlon begged miss ames is he on the square so far as i know and i know all there is to know i think i was present at a preliminary test this morning and i will tell you what he did mortimer looked at his watch and proceeded quickly in at the free press office one of the men took a piece of chalk and drew a line from where we were to a distant room of the building the line went up and down stairs 
in and out of various rooms over chairs and under desks and finally wound up in a small closet in the city editor's office well and i must jump away now that wizard hanlon being securely blindfolded i did it myself followed that line almost without deviation from start to finish through a building he had never seers before and groping along in complete darkness how in the world could he do it aunt abby asked breathlessly the chap who drew the line was behind him behind mind you and he willed him where to go of course he did his best kept his mind on the job and earnestly used his mentality to will hanlon along and did there that's all i know until this afternoon stunt is pulled off but what i have told you i do know i saw it and i for one am a complete convert to telepathy the busy man hastily shaking hands bustled away and hendricks told in glee how through his acquaintance with mortimer he had secured a permit to drive his car among the front ones that were following the performance which was to begin very soon now gus returned and they were about to start when aunt abby set up a plea for a copy of the paper that she wanted good-natured gus tried his best hendricks himself made endeavors but all in vain the papers were gone the edition exhausted nor could any one whom they asked be induced to part with his copy even at a substantial premium sorry miss ames said hendricks but we can't seem to nail one perhaps later we can get one now we must be starting or we'll soon lose our advantage the crowd was like a rolling sea by this time and only the efficiency of the fine police work kept anything like order cautiously the motor car edged along while the daring pedestrians seemed to scramble from beneath the very wheels and then a cheer arose which proclaimed the presence of hanlon the mysterious possessor of second sight or the marvellous reader of another's mind nobody knew exactly which he was End of chapter 2